You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths, joined virtually by Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. Today we will preview the coming Colts-Texans matchup, a divisional rivalry for the horseshoe. Breakdown detail, keys to the game. Feels like we just talked about the Texans because the Colts played them just two weeks ago, but maybe one or two things have changed since then. Also make predictions for this weekend, and we will first start with some news. Around the league, a couple teams have uh, placed some players on the reserve COVID list, including one on the Colts, uh, safety Ibrahim Campbell, uh, who's gone now on the practice squad uh, COVID-19 list. Campbell, a practice squad member, who was actually called up last week to the main roster, uh, if you guys remember, because uh, Jordan Glasgow uh, was out. So he's a special teamer filling in uh, for, for Glasgow being out. But uh, nevertheless, Campbell now on the reserve COVID-19 list. Also, the Ravens had three players, uh, three wide receivers specifically, put on the reserve COVID list. And my goodness, uh, the Ravens just can't seem to escape uh, COVID right now. Uh, the Buccaneers running back Ronald Jones is on the list. He's had a tremendous season. Uh, Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs goes on the reserve COVID list. And uh, also, Giants offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, uh, he has tested positive for uh, the coronavirus, but um, nothing so far out of all of these appears to be uh, jeopardizing games or times, at least just yet. Um, of course, if, if one turns into two, turns into five, uh, by uh, Thursday evening or Friday evening, it turns into seven, then... Uh, then you're like, hold on a second. Um, but but this is just kind of some more earlier in the week numbers for what the NFL is looking at right now. So uh, nevertheless, that is our uh, contractually mandated COVID update for the week. And uh, we'll hope that nothing serious happens after that. But uh, around the NFL, Kenny Moore is the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. The Colts quarterback had a tremendous day. Well, he really had a slow start, but then he had a tremendous um uh, finish and really middle section as well against the game uh, against the Raiders in that game. Uh, one interception, one forced fumble, five tackles. Uh, Mike, I know that uh, Kenny Moore, we've said that the, there, there are certain important pieces and important um, positions for the defense that uh, Matt Eberflus wants to run. And that nickel corner is certainly one of them because a lot of the action funnels toward him. He needs to be able to tackle. He needs to be able to make plays. And he certainly made a couple really solid plays against the Raiders last week. It's funny. The team always... Uh stresses that it's 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 more than one person it's it can't be about one person but there are some players that they just have problems playing without you know anthony costanzo on offense we could say ty on offense and while kenny moore may, may not be the most indispensable defensive player you've got a, a justin hughes or a deforest buckner but let's keep in mind what happened in december last year when kenny was out so he just does. He just makes plays, and he recovers from from not good plays. You know, he gets beat on the touchdown pass, and he makes one of the greatest interceptions you're ever going to see. But he does the little things too. Uh, the against Houston, he had a couple of great breakups in the end zone. So uh, j- just a, just a you, you hope that he finally gets national attention and gets some Pro Bowl love because he probably earns it this year. Joe, uh, Mike mentioned the uh, just how the Colts finished off last season when Kenny was uh, was on the beach, so to speak, with his uh, lower leg injury. I forget exactly what it was, but 
Uh, I think four of the last five games the Colts played, they allowed 30 points or more, and that's that was in, in no small part due to Kenny being on the sidelines. And uh, This year, he's certainly made his presence known more than once and against the Raiders, just the latest example of, uh, of how deserving he is of an award like this, the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, I mean, you talk about stars on the Colts defense. It's Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, and then Kenny Moore. I mean, those are the big three stars, and there's a lot of other high contributors as well, like Justin Houston. But I would say Kenny Moore is probably that third best player on defense, and it's pretty close, uh, all that he does for this defensive unit. So he's definitely deserving, and like Mike said, hopefully we can get him into the Pro Bowl this year. Colts punter Rigoberto Sanchez has returned to practice as well after three weeks, three weeks removed from uh, surgery to remove a cancerous tumor. Uh, that was uh, at the beginning of December when he had that surgery. Um, so it was it was awesome to see Mike Rigo just uh, on the other side of a Zoom call uh, in good spirits talking with us. Uh, he certainly appeared he, he, grateful to be in the situation he is in, to have the care that he has had. And... Um, the remarkable thing is that he was he was designated as a full participant in practice on Wednesday. So, I mean, we, we said this a couple weeks ago when the Colts didn't put Rigo on the reserve uh, on an injured reserve list, Mike, that he was probably going to return at some point this season. And we're not ruling it out that he that he's kicking against the Texans, although there still seems to be one or two steps he has to go through to get there right now. Yeah, two or three was asking him about, you know, because he was very evasive. He was evasive a couple of things you wouldn't tell us. He wouldn't reveal what the specific cancer was, which is certainly within his, you know, privacy. His prerogative, yeah. No question at all, and and, and that's fine. But th- and then you get past the, the 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 physical and the personal issues, medical issues, and you get down to football. And it was, what, did are are you punting yet? Uh, and we we never see what these guys do during their rehab when they're away from the team because we we're not privy to it. But the fact that he was a full participant and they punt and do kickoffs on Wednesday, it means he punted yesterday. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just it's just the way it goes. If he wouldn't have punted, he would have been limited. So now whether that translate, you know, maybe it's again, it's, it's how he comes back and feels today in Friday. But it certainly looks like the arrow's up on him returning, which, you know, he'll, he'll be punting less than, what, three weeks after having surgery which is pretty amazing. And people would, ne- they would have to have hear what he said about punting against the Titans. He made it sound like, well, of course I'm going to, that's my teammates and I couldn't let them down. They couldn't, they couldn't get another punter in here in time. So pretty amazing. The commitment that he has for his teammates with so much more going on in his life. And for, for that game, uh, Joe against the Titans, I mean, all he did out there was through discomfort, knowing he was about to have surgery to remove a cancerous tumor, go out and punt. I think it was three to five times an average 50 yards a punt. So uh, no one can quite you, – you don't often get a – you put a, a punter in, in, the, uh, in the category of, uh, of tough players, but I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Sanchez has, has earned that label this year. Oh, yeah, and I mean, by all accounts, he has the utmost respect from all of his teammates and coaches in that locker room. And I mean, just another excellent punter that the Colts have had in what seems like a very good line of punters. Uh, Really looking forward to getting Sanchez back on the field as soon as possible. Hopefully that'll be Sunday or the following Sunday. And I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we we learn from Rigo what exactly the type of cancer he had. But as we said, it's it's. 
it's completely his prerogative to tell us or to not tell us what it was right now. So uh, he might. Uh, I, I would love to see him go on and be a uh, be a uh, like I don't know. If spokesman's maybe not the right word, but just a uh, an ambassador for uh, for awareness for whatever type of cancer he has. So that that's entirely a possibility in the future. But right now, at least for the time being, uh, he he's trying to to keep it under wraps, and that's perfectly acceptable. So uh, on that note, we'll shift to the injury report for the Colts, and this is Wednesday's injury report. As we tape this podcast on Thursday, another one will come out in a little while. And you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to get those injury reports on a daily basis, Wednesday through Friday. Um, so, nevertheless, that first injury report on Wednesday, linebacker Darius Leonard with a back injury and cornerback Xavier Rhodes with a knee injury. Great news for them. They both practiced in full on Wednesday. Uh, both of the, excuse me, had to leave that game on Sunday against the Raiders with those injuries. And I think, Mike, that we um, – what. From from what Frank Reich said, it was either post game or on. I think it was post game. I thought that the Darius Leonard, the Darius injury, didn't sound that bad. But uh, so it's 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 encouraging. Although I think I somewhat expected him to be to be okay at least this week. Uh, Xavier Rhodes as well has had, has had a really good season, and uh, we 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 know what happens when you start uh, chipping away at cornerbacks to go to um to the uh, fourth or fifth string that starts to see a little bit more time. That's just. There, there is certainly, uh, I think, more of a, more of a downfall in the depth in corner uh, than there is uh, at linebacker. So certainly glad to see uh, that Xavier Rhodes as well is uh, going to be uh, a is is doing is doing well right now, and that those two guys who are big contributors to this defense uh, appear to be uh, on track to play this this weekend. Yeah, the one thing with Darius again, you you never know on the severity of injuries, and it's, it, someone told me with the team they mentioned on on Xavier Rhodes. Well, we know we go through this drama about once a week with him, but but he's normally out there with Darius for him to take himself out of a game. I realized in the fourth quarter, but you know there was something going on, and he was sort of struggling it a little bit before that. But the fact that he's back out there and uh, he's he's he loves the game too much. He loves to compete too much, and uh, he, he'll be fine for Sunday. Also a full participant in practice, uh, Kamoko Ture, the defensive end, uh, still working his way back from the ankle injury from last year. Uh, Joe, a good sign that Ture played a season-high 16 snaps this past Sunday uh, on the road in Las Vegas. But, I mean, we're, from my perspective, we're still waiting to see a couple flashes from him. That's what it was at the beginning of last year when he came out of the gate so strong. It was flash plays where he was in the backfield, he was around the quarterback. He was making uh, making uh, tackles for loss. Whatever it has been, like that, that has not come from Ture yet. And I, I think there's some some reason to to give him the benefit of the doubt that he uh, had a uh, that rehab for this injury in an unprecedented off season where you didn't have access to the things you would normally have because of the situation we all were in because of a pandemic and not having any type of preseason or whatever, what have you. There has to be some kind of ramp up period that's a phrase we uh we learned well uh this uh this past july and august during training camp but for for today i think the, the time for that ramp up period it's got to be getting close to be, be being at an end like you, you've got to be able to unleash him and he's got to start making some plays i would think uh in the near future uh over these next couple weeks to to close out the season uh to to be a to be a good sign for him and his ankle both now and moving forward yeah, he's kind of come back the past several games. You know, as you just said, season high, 16 snaps. He's usually playing around 10 or so. They're just kind of 
working him in, getting his feet wet. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, you said the unprecedented rehab from the offseason with COVID. This is a guy who didn't play football for over a year. And it's also someone who it was just starting to come together for him when he got injured. It's not like it's a Justin Houston who, you know, he's been doing it for years. He knows how it's done. Not only is he going to have to get his body back, but he's going to have to get kind of back in the swing of that upswing, the trending upward um, projection uh, as a player that he had when he got injured. So uh, it would be big if the Colts could get him back to the form he was at the beginning of last season, where he could get some sacks and get some added pressure on the quarterback. But there's also a chance that, you know, he's not truly back to what they hope he can be until next year. And given the severity of the injury and everything that's gone on, that's not completely out of the question either. Mike, what do you think? Do you, do you, I, I don't think getting impatient would be the right word for, for Ture just because of everything we've said, the situation, but I, I, it would certainly be, be more beneficial than not to, to see at least a couple of good signs, a couple of good, solid plays from him, because I don't think he's flashed to me at all in the, in the limited time he's been out there on the field. Oh, I, I agree, and I think the case with him the rest of the season will be whatever they get extra. I don't think they're going into this last these last three games really expecting maybe him to, 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 to make those flash plays. But if they happen good, I th- think he is still working his way back. Now, whether that's a confidence issue, whether that's a uh, uh, not really just feeling comfortable with what he's doing. I just think that the way the rest of the season, whatever they get will be extra. I don't know how you expect all of a sudden the light to turn on and him to get two pressures and a sack. You know, maybe that happens. Maybe that, you know, maybe that happens after a month of playing. But I think what's encouraging is this team's in such a good position, and you've you've got virtually nothing from Ture so far on this defense. And now you're starting to get Rivers playing high high level, Jonathan Taylor high level, Ty Hilton high level. So in so many areas, the arrows really pointing up, and that includes Ture because you know thus far the defense has been pretty good. Uh, but if they get something from him over the, these last three games and perhaps the playoffs, uh, they'll be more than satisfied with that. And you mentioned Philip Rivers. He did not participate in Wednesday's practice with his uh, toe injury, which is not a surprise. It's what we've seen the past couple weeks. Uh, I, I think it's as safe as you can get to say that Rivers uh, do, did not practice designation on Wednesday is nothing to be concerned about. Uh, left tackle Anthony Costanzo also did not uh, participate in Wednesday's practice with his knee injury. Uh, given his um, his in again out again in again uh, status on Sunday, uh, that certainly didn't surprise me, Joe. He he had to fight through quite a bit to stay on the field on Sunday. Um, so it, when it comes to practice this week, I, he's going to get as few reps I think as necessary to make sure that knee is as ready as possible to go out and uh, be be in the best shape uh, that can possible it can possibly be when you're facing a JJ Watt in the Texans defense this weekend. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say he's probably going to be limited both Thursday and Friday. You know, just give him enough that he's not doing nothing during the week, but you definitely don't want to put too much on that knee because you got to get him in the game. And, you know, after he returned from his exit in the Raiders game, he played he played well. Um, he, he had a good game. So I think uh, Costanza is just, just going to take it easy on him until that knee is closer to full strength. One, yeah, one, Mike, the Colts, one, go one, ahead. One quick note on Costanzo. You know, I'll beat the dead horse that he's my most irreplaceable player. He, The Colts have given up, what is it, 15 sacks this year? I think it is. They've given up six 
when he's not been on the field. Uh, the Cleveland game, Tennessee, and, and the Houston game. So anyone who thinks that, ah, you know, you're overplaying that. No, we're, we're not. Uh, and, and with the Raven Clark going down and, and Chaz Green not being the answer, that they put Quentin Nelson out there for crying out loud. Hell yeah. For separate <laughs> plays. So that tells you, one, it, it tells you they don't like what's behind Costanzo, and it tells you they're going to do whatever it takes to get Costanzo from Sunday to Sunday. Uh, didn't practice yesterday. Probably be limited today or maybe not practice and maybe limited tomorrow. Right now, it's all up. He's in TY mode right now. Years ago, where he, just, he didn't practice in December for the most part. And there's a handful of players you can do that with, and Costanzo's one of them. How about it, Mike, seeing Quentin Nelson out there uh, at left tackle? Maybe it's finally uh, dawned on you that uh, that, that high draft pick for uh, for Quentin Nelson was worth it if he can play left tackle, right? <laughs> I'm not there. I'm not there. Because <laughs> then, then the next the leap you make is, well, when Costanzo's gone, do you move Quentin Nelson to, right, to left tackle? Probably not. But to, to have that in a pinch... Uh, I, I think that that's incredible. It, it really is to be able to to put somebody out there that you know is at least not going to get your quarterback smashed. Uh, Long term, no. Short term, I'll take some cue. It's funny we were talking to Sirianni. He said the only thing that they know he can't do is, is carry the ball in from the one yard line. So everything else <laughs> is, is on the table. Well, you know his agent's going to bring that up at left tackle when it's no time question. for the contract, too. No question. That's right. Give, give him some left tackle money out there. Um, certainly, uh, more, two more uh, did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Both tight ends, Trey Burton with a knee, uh, also tight end Mo Alley-Cox. Uh, neither of them were out there on Wednesday. We'll have to follow their status throughout the week. Uh, I mentioned our Twitter handle as a show. You can follow me specifically at DaveG underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 and Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe, so give us a follow, and we'll be keeping you up to date about the Colts uh, and the Texans happenings throughout the rest of this week. Uh, speaking of Houston, uh, their injury report for this week, safety Justin Reed has been placed on injured reserve, uh, something wrong with his hand. And he's been uh, one of Houston's better defenders on the year, not that that uh, defense has been anything to write home about as a unit, but uh, 83 tackles, two sacks on the season. He's certainly been a productive player for them. Uh, Cornell Armstrong, a cornerback, did not participate Wednesday with a hamstring injury. Also, David Johnson did not participate. Their running back that they trade for in the offseason. Uh, so he was out resting, and he missed last week's game uh, on the reserve COVID-19 list. So we'll keep an eye on him. A couple limited participants in practice. Another running back, their other running back, Duke Johnson, with his neck injury. Cornerback uh, Philip Gaines. So a pair of running backs, a pair of cornerbacks uh, show up on the Texans injury report list. Uh, he missed games did last week with the Bears, as did a wide receiver Brandon Cooks missed last week's game against the Bears. He has a neck injury. He was also limited in Wednesday's practice. So the 9-4 Colts take on the 4-9 Texans this week. Game at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. If you're in central Indiana, it'll be broadcast locally by CBS4. And you can join us on CBS4 for the Blue Zone pregame show at 11.30 Sunday morning as well. Uh, but the Colts enter this matchup with the Texans playing some of their, if not their, Totally best football of the season. They've won four of their last five games. They were five and three. Now they're nine and four. That's pretty darn good. Currently in the sixth seed in the AFC, uh, in one of the wild card spots. 
And after last week's win over the Raiders, they have something around an 88% chance, according to I think it's 538, for, uh, for making the postseason. So their postseason odds look good right now. Obviously, it's not 100% yet, so you're not exactly uh, carving them in, uh, in stone in the postseason, but it's, you're, you're at least getting the hammer and chisel ready for sure. Um, on the opposite side of the ball, the Texans are trending in the wrong direction with two losses in a row. But at the same time, Mike, you can say that that game two weeks ago against the Colts, they were a fumble away from winning that game. So you can, And I think that when we talked about the Texans a couple weeks ago, we said they were trending in the right direction. So it's really just last week's no-show against the Bears that really has, is pointed to, I guess, bad play. If you, if you throw that one out, they were playing some pretty good football before that. You can't just go in thinking that these Texans are, are rolling over on the season. Uh, they, uh, they, they still seem to be able to give the Colts fits in particular. Well, two reasons. A.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. When you've got two game breakers, uh, they, they can do special game uh, that lift you. There was so much talk about Frank Wright going for it on fourth and one where they could have made it a seven-point game there at the end in Houston. And the reason he didn't was because of Deshaun Watson. Uh, he, he feared Deshaun Watson more than he trusted his defense. And we saw why. I mean, they, they, they took him right down the field. And how much – how would you like to make a living off eating someone to fumble the ball to two-yard line in the last minute of the game? Uh, that That's not the way to do it. So – if that's not a wake-up call, I don't know what is. And I was looking at so much time looking at numbers. It's crazy. But what what they need, obviously, is a sweep. They, they need to sweep the Texans. Uh, they, they've, they've, they've had 55 sweep opportunities since the AFC, was for, AFC South was formed in 2002. They, they've only had 27 sweeps. That's about half. And 16 of them. We're with Peyton Manning at the quarterback. So only 11 times since 2002 has this team swept a, a team in the division. And then they used to just do that all the time against Houston. Remember when they used to own the Texans? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it, it's it's just hard. It, it's just hard to uh, to, to manufacture another uh, game to get it done. Although you, you can argue again that the, the Colts didn't really win that game. Houston lost it. So, you know, and I thought the Colts played pretty well in that game. But it's just hard. They need, again, we talk about must games. This is, a, this is about as close as you can get to it because this just about puts you in. Uh, but all of a sudden, with a loss, you're, you're putting Baltimore back in it. You're maybe letting the Raiders back in. I don't, I don't fear the Raiders too much right now. It's wild card. But uh, th- this is a game you need to find a way to get out of there and win because to lose it, just bringing things back into the playoff picture that you don't want to have to worry about. Joe, when you look at Deshaun Watson, um, obviously for years he was tied at the hip with DeAndre Hopkins, who is now uh, an Arizona Cardinal. But uh, he is, it's remarkable what he's been able to do. Uh, is that's produce, produce, produce yards and touchdowns, yards and touchdowns. He's had a great fantasy season, but he's done so with, a, uh, a laundry list of who's who guys at wide receiver, especially as of late. But as Colts fans know, just a couple weeks ago, I mean, he's still racking up 300-plus yards total. Uh, gets a touchdown. Um, it doesn't seem to matter who's out there. 
because he can buy time and find somebody that gets open. Uh, it, so it, it might be a it might not be an all star list of receivers, but you you still gotta you gotta curtail Watson somehow. Yeah, and the Colts should know that more than anybody. Chad yeah. Hansen and Kiki Cootie each had 100 yards against him in the last meeting. So, like you said, it doesn't matter to some degree who's out there because when Watson buys seven, eight seconds, anybody can get open with seven to eight seconds. I mean, it's just almost impossible to cover for that long. So the Colts got to keep them contained and get them on the ground. I don't care if you have Deion Sanders and Dar- Darrell Revis on the corners. If, if Watson runs around for for seven, eight seconds, then somebody's going to get get something out there. So uh, you got you got to chase him after, chase after him, chase him down. Uh, and the Bears did that last week when uh, Chicago just drummed the Texans 36-7. to seven. Watson was sacked six times. He actually left with an injury uh, at, at for a brief point of that game, uh, but then came almost right back in uh, a little bit later. I think it was a hand injury, if I'm not mistaken. So that, that's obviously not something a quarterback wants to be hurt. Um, he's been sacked 39 times this season, which is third most uh, in the NFL. And it doesn't help him that uh, he has no help from the run game. The Texans ranked dead last in the NFL in rushing just 86 yards per game. I think, however, Mike, that if, if you ask the, the Texans um, about that number, they would probably point to the fact that their running backs, David Johnson, Duke Johnson, they do catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. And that kind of is an, uh, an, an extension of the run game, so to speak, e- even still. Uh, that, that is true, but you 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 don't think that the Texans are going to be one of those teams that lines up and tries to punch you in the mouth, nevertheless. Yeah, they ran for 90 yards two weeks ago against the Colts. And the thing with Watson, they got him five times. I think it was a season high, match a season high with the Colts with five sacks. And I went back and looked, and if that was any other quarterback, they might have had 11. Yeah, I mean, he he really avoided that many sacks and made plays, and that's that's what, like I say, he's he's one of those rare players. There's three or four of them: Mahomes and Kyler Murray and in in Lamar Jackson, that you can have the perfect defense for. You just can, you can do everything right, and if if he if he shoulders off a Justin Houston or Danico Autry, then everything breaks down, and he he he's so dangerous when play when coverage breaks down because you can't get him on the ground i don't fear their run game i i I fear watson i don't care who's out there with him a lot like you mentioned with the receivers he's got or 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 doesn't have so uh uh, i i think this defense is healthy enough at the right positions i I think Rhodes will be okay and kenny moore's playing well and it seems like rocky scene's got his head back on straight so it's going to be imperative to make him run around some, but when you get a chance, get him on the ground. And, and I got to go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry, I got to ask you guys. I know this takes us off track a little bit, but when Mike. That's ha- what we do on this podcast. That's you, go, we- you go right ahead. Right <laughs> hole alert. <laughs> Who's you guys' MVP at this point in time? Mike was list- listing off quarterbacks, and I just wanted to get you guys' opinion. I, 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 I would. I would right now probably go Mahomes and Rodgers one two, uh, and that could change over over three. It, it's crazy when Mahomes can have his worst quarter of his career last week and still throw for like four hundred yards. It tells you how good he is. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard to pick anyone other than Mahomes for me right now. Um, I, I still think. 
the one team that would be worst off without one specific player would be the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Uh, if you want to be very strict with most valuable player, what it actually means, but that's not always what, what happens, you know, that's, it, it goes to the player who has, uh, has the stats to back it up. And, and Wilson had a great start to the season. It's kind of trailed off a little bit lately. So I think it's really put him behind, as Mike said, uh, guys like Rogers and, uh, and Mahomes in, in the MVP race. What do you think, Joe? I gotta go Rogers. I'm kind of surprised no one said Rogers. I mean, totally legitimate. I, I I agree. He's he's been great. He's got more touchdowns than Mahomes has, and I feel like he does more with less. I mean, if you take Rogers out of that Packers offense, it's nowhere near as dynamic as it is. Whereas the Chiefs are just absolutely loaded at every single position. So, I mean, you can't really go wrong. Both are amazing, but I think what Rodgers is doing this year is just incredible. But that, that that's all I have to say about that. I wanted to see what you guys thought. One one thing that people need to keep in mind, and I, and I wish people did this more, is in the, they, they tend to point to who's got the great stats and all that. There's two awards. There's an MVP and there's most outstanding offensive player. So you you can it doesn't it doesn't have to be the same player, so I, I kind of agree with with Dave to a point that if you take the guy away, who who would be most detrimental to your team? So you know just because the guy's got the great numbers doesn't mean he's MVP. You know to me you can't be an MVP on a losing team. I don't care if he's over six thousand yards, you just can't do it because if he wasn't there, you'd still have a losing team. But uh, did I see a stat that Russell Wilson has never gotten an MVP vote? I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. But Mike, you're asking a lot of people. You're asking people to to use their heads and and to make sense. And uh, and as you know, that that can be a fool's errand uh, from time to time. It it was funny. I saw like I saw actually just to to continue on this rabbit hole for two seconds that I saw a tweet from from Twitter uh, tweeting out. Because as as everyone uses Twitter knows, they've been pushing quote tweets now instead of retweets. Um, as you're trying to uh, disseminate others' information, so they've been really pushing that. And there was a uh, there was a tweet that said something to the extent of, uh, "We we had a uh, we we misjudged when we uh, were trying to get people to use uh, to be more thoughtful in in their uh, in their tweeting by uh, by promoting quote tweets instead of just uh, just retweeting things and and sending out more information again, trying to get people to think and to share their own opinions about these things." And and my reaction was like. Have you ever been on Twitter? <laughs> I mean, yep. you're you're trying to get people on, online to 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 be more thoughtful. Is is that really? Do you think do you think that you have the, you think you can do that? Okay, good luck with that. Have fun. And uh, that's the same same thing, kind of the same vein, Mike. When when we're talking about uh, NFL MVP, if you're trying to get people to be more thoughtful, uh, in in spite of who it is who who gets the votes for these things, it, it might it might be difficult just because of the the sheer numbers some guys put up. It, it's hard to overlook that. Correct. So anyway, that's uh, that. Congratulations, Joe. That's our that's our uh, rabbit hole today. Brought to you by you know we, we need a sponsor for that, but nevertheless we'll we'll get our salespeople on that shortly. Uh, back to the Colts and Texans. Uh, we were uh, just discussing the Texans' offense and their passing run game against the Colts' defense, which has one of the best run defenses in the NFL. So that's a Colts' defense strength and a weakness for the tight uh, the Texans. You wouldn't expect them to get too much on the ground. Uh, the passing game, the Colts are. Are 13th, so they're top half in the NFL in pass yards allowed. 17th in sacks, which has kind of trailed off certainly a little bit from the start of the season. But what uh, the Colts do better than most 
is uh, they have the fourth fewest passing touchdowns allowed. So even if you gain some yards, you don't get in the end zone. And also they have the third most interceptions in the NFL. Colts have 15 interceptions and also the third most takeaways overall with 22. And that's a, a complete juxtaposition, Joe, to what the Texans have. They have the fewest takeaways, only eight. So that, that you, you've got to try to take – when you have those situations against Deshaun Watson, who you know can move the ball, and as Mike said, when Frank Reich looks at his play call sheet and you have a chance to go up by seven or to kick a field goal or to go for a touchdown and go up by two scores late, when Deshaun Watson's on the other side, even if your defense is one of the better defenses in the league, even if it takes the ball away better than just about anybody – Boy, it's hard to to say I, I fully trust these guys over Deshaun Watson. This this is a it bends in the Colts' favor the uh, the turnover uh, ratio, but at the same time, uh, it, like I said, you got to take advantage of those to try to avoid those late game decisions uh, that Frank Reich was forced to make just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I mean, Mike already mentioned how lucky the fumble was, and then yep. the other turnover in the game. I mean was Watson's interception, which was the first interception he threw in like 200 plus passes. So this offense is very good, specifically Deshaun Watson, about taking care of the football. So when you do get an opportunity to take it over, to turn it over, you got to do it. And then on the other side of the ball, you can't be turning it over yourself because you know the other team isn't going to do it, give it back to you very often. So the Colts have to be opportunistic in this game, uh, really every game, but especially when you're playing a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Well, and, and just to, to the stats again, what you're talking about, the, aside from the final score, the most important category every every week is giveaway takeaway. It just is. Uh, the Colts are a plus 10 in the league, tied for second best with uh, Miami. It, it's funny. You look, look at the teams at the top of the giveaway takeaway. Pittsburgh, Colts, Miami, Titans, Chiefs. Cleveland, New Orleans, that's the top seven or top eight. And they're all right there in the thick of, you know, top of the playoffs. Uh, the Colts have have had six games this year. Here, here we go. Well, let's totally jinx them. They'll be able to feel the turnovers now. But they've had six games this year with no turnovers, which is that, – that, that's, that's tied for the most uh, – going back to the Manning era for them. So they've done, done a great job of taking care of the football – in creating turnovers, takeaways. So uh, as long as they can continue to play efficiently and not help a team that needs help, you should be in pretty good shape. Mike, do you think that the Colts have uh, just been better? Like it, Because at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talk about Phillip Rivers and his turnovers and what was happening. Um, do you think that that was just because of the situations they were in and Rivers was trying to bring them back late to win games and kind of doing all gunslinger uh, YOLO mentality and throwing it around? Or do you think uh, that maybe part of it has to do with, I mean, maybe he and Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich have gotten more of an understanding and are uh, d developing after an offseason where, hey, you do some work, but you can't really work hands-on. Things are uh, maybe a little bit more attuned to the abilities of this particular team that they have, and that is in turn leading to uh, fewer interceptions from Philip Rivers. Yeah, I, I would. I would. My, my first reaction would be, well, he's such an accurate quarterback that you're not going to put the ball up for grabs too often. He was accurate last year as well, and he threw what was it, 20, 20 interceptions, and he's had a couple. Let's let's be fair. He's had a couple. Over the, the last eight games, what is it, 16 touchdowns and 14 uh, 
and four interceptions. But he's had a couple that that he really got away with. Yeah, there was a pick six, couple games. I mean, the the games run together in my mind. But but so they've been fortunate in, in some. But having said that, they're taking care of football. Three fumbles all season. Again, they'll litter the field Sunday, and, and people will just blame us for jinxing them. And it's your fault. But uh, I think the way that the offense is designed. It generally doesn't put the ball in bad positions to, to where bad things can happen. Uh, the, these guys catch the ball. We saw them play in Oakland last week where, oh gosh, Derek Carr gives up a pick six. Well, not really. The ball went right through the, 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 receiver, the running back's hands. Right. So the, the Colts really haven't had that this year. And I think part of that is it, it, it's the players, and part of it is the scheme where it puts guys in to where they don't have to force the ball where it doesn't need to go. The Colts' offense has certainly been clicking lately. Put up 37 on the Raiders last week. Uh, defensive touchdown got them to 44. Uh, Mike, you mentioned earlier the T.Y. Hilton, Jonathan Taylor uh, have been just clicking. And uh, when you have T.Y. Hilton in December, Joe, this is something that Frank Reich has really not had, a healthy T.Y. Hilton in December. And so I, I think when you look over the – uh, the years of Frank Reich's offenses here, uh, th- this could be uh, right on par with uh, that last Andrew Luck year as one of the more dangerous offenses because you have a healthy T.Y. Hilton, number one, and you have an ascending Jonathan Taylor, number two. Uh, you have, if Anthony Costanza was healthy, a great offensive line, and Philip Rivers, who is appearing to be very, very comfortable back there in the pocket. So I think... There, there should be optimism around the Colts' offense and how, how they are really taking steps forward at the time of year where they need to be. Yeah, with T.Y. stepping up and being that number one receiver that they needed him to be, that also allows the rest of the players to be those role players and just give you something extra instead of having them step up and be the guy. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. doesn't have to be a number one receiver as a rookie with a limited offseason. He can be a complimentary player now and make great contributions but not be leaned on for 10 to 15 targets per game. It just makes with T.Y. and Jonathan Taylor stepping up. And I think a lot of Taylor's success is because of T.Y. as well. I mean, the last two games, T.Y. had a huge first half. And then in the second half, the Colts have run the ball extremely well. So I think those two things are connected. And the better T.Y. plays, the better everyone else plays on that offense. And 15 sacks total allowed is the third fewest in the NFL for that offensive line behind the Packers, and the Steelers. So they're keeping Rivers clean. Uh, and as Mike mentioned, uh, when Anthony Costanzo is, is in that lineup, then Rivers is even cleaner. So, uh, so that's, been, that's been certainly just as much part of the success of this Colts offense than, than any, than any uh, skill player, quote-unquote. On the other side of the ball for the Texans' defense, um, they're, they're certainly their most redeeming quality is, is J.J. Watt. Uh, you still have to know where he is on every play. You have to point him out. Uh, it would be great to get two guys on him if you can um, and to run away from him. Uh, 31 sacks as a team ranks 15th in the NFL. Watt has five of them, um, 13 tackles for loss, seven passes defended, one interception on the season. And uh, in the first matchup with the Colts, Watt had six tackles. Four of them came for a loss and one sack, which – uh, yeah, that's, that's a, being in the backfield quite a bit 
And uh, Mike, I will, will, of course, remind Colts fans that that was without Anthony Costanzo. Uh, he was out two weeks ago. So now, a, uh, and I don't know, maybe a 70 or 80% Costanzo, depends on how good he can get throughout this week, uh, will probably be back in the lineup uh, facing J.J. Watt. And as we say, every time the Colts play the Texans, trying to keep him from that one or two big plays that um, completely swing the momentum of the game. Yeah, again, you go back to look at the game in Houston with that, with that AC there, and two sacks came off the left side. With, with against Chaz Green, and he, you know, here we are piling on Chaz Green. But w- with AC back in the lineup, you know maybe JJ Watt stays more on the right side of, of the Colts defense, which pairs him against Braden Smith, who is is funny. We had Costanzo on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. That was post game on Sunday. Yeah, it was post game. Post, it was post game, and we were done. We were done. And he said, "Oh, by the way." He said, you know, you guys need to start pushing Braden Smith for Pro Bowl. It just shows you that uh, how the teammates trust in this guy and believe in this guy. And it, it, it's funny when, when you're a Pro Bowl caliber player and you're sort of a forgotten man on this line because of the players you're playing with. So, uh, I, again, I think with, with Costanzo back in the lineup, it might put more pressure on Braden Smith to hold up against J.J. Watt because maybe they don't flip him around quite so much. But at least you know that they're not going to be Houston and Watt aren't going to be saying, well, you know, I can go over here and here's a glaring weakness that I can exploit. You don't you don't see that now with Costanzo in the lineup. Yeah, Costanzo, I think he really kind of put our eyes on Braden Smith now. And Joe, if if there's any week to that that will test just how good you are in the NFL. It's when you're going up against J.J. Watt. So we're about to find out, I guess, if Braden Smith, I would say, is is in fact deserving of a Pro Bowl nod this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, if I had to guess, I would say Watt would probably start on Costanzo and test out that knee. And then if Costanzo holds up, he's going to move over to that right side and go against Braden Smith because Smith is an excellent right tackle, one of the best in the league, probably, probably top at very least top 10 right tackles in the NFL. Um, but he's not quite the pass protector that Costanzo is. That's why he's one of the premier left tackles. So um, it, it's going to be quite the test indeed on Sunday to get J.J. Watt blocked. And I found it quite quite telling that Costanzo, who has never had a Pro Bowl nod in his life, is out there stumping for, for Braden Smith as well. So uh, he's, uh, that, that, was, I, that, that just is what stuck out to me about that. Uh, that back and forth, well, not really back and forth, but just that statement from Costanzo is saying that, hey, Braden Smith certainly deserves this. So uh, he, uh, he's got his teammates back there. Let's get to the keys to the game. Colts, Texans, this weekend, 1 o'clock kickoff. Key number one, as it is when we always, when the Colts always face the Texans, contain Deshaun Watson. He is their offensive weapon. He is the only one that really scares you. I would say Will Fuller is scary, but he is hurt. He is out. Um, after Watson, like, who are you scared of? Are you scared of David Johnson? No. Are you scared of Kiki Kuti? No. But Kiki Kuti has gained 100-plus yards against the Colts multiple times. Uh, and Deshaun Watson's been part of that. Um, so if, there, if there's one thing you have to do to limit what the Texans do, it's contain him. And, Joe, I think that the perfect blueprint for that is what the Bears were able to do last week. As I mentioned earlier, he was sacked six times last week. The Bears go out, they win 36-7. to They kept him in uh, running around or in the pocket, not able to go through his reads, not able to buy time all day. And you see there, when Deshaun Watson is limited, the Houston Texans themselves are very limited. 
Yeah, and they were even more, you know, they might be even more limited in that game than they will be against the Colts. It looks like they'll have David Johnson back and they might yes. have Brandon Cooks back. Um, so he was, you know, in an already depleted offense, his two premier weapons were were not there for that game. Uh, so the running game was gone. Not that it's been good anyway, but it was even more uh, lessened. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson, he he finds a way to make it happen. The Colts have to find a way to get to him, get that pressure on him, to force Buckner up the middle is a great way to do it. Uh, he had a terrific game last time out against Houston. He's going to have to do that again. And the Colts are just going to have to harass him all day long and hope at the end of the day it's a net win. And as Mike mentioned earlier, if if the Colts' uh, defensive line had the same performance that they had two weeks ago against the Texans against any other team or any other quarterback, it might have been 11 sacks. He, ju- he just, Watson avoided so many of them. So uh, a, a similar recipe will be necessary uh, when the Texans are in at Indianapolis this weekend. Key number two, guys, it is back. It, it is finally back on our keys to the game, and that's run the ball. Run it. Get the ball to Jonathan Taylor. We, we let it go to the wayside for a while, uh, but now it is back specifically because of how well Taylor is rushing and how Houston ranks 31st in the NFL in rushing yards. They're giving up 152 yards rushing per game, averaging five yards per carry. Mike, there is no excuse for the Colts not to get Jonathan Taylor the ball. I'm sure they will rotate at the beginning of the game, as they always do. But, boy, in the second half, if it's not Taylor out there, uh, I, would, I would be very surprised. His last three games, 90 yards, 91 yards, 150. Uh, and, and, you know, 22 carries, 13, and then 20. It, it, it's it's one of those where you want to say, don't overcomplicate this. They can't stop the run, and, and you're running well. You know, and and they're gonna, Rivers is going to throw the ball 30, 35 times because that that's kind of what they do here. But to 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 not really come away from this game, if you leave this game, win or lose, and and you're you're 18 for the as a team, 22 carries for 88 yards. Sh- shame on you, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's it's worth 13 games into the season and Houston cannot stop. That's simply the way it is. So, and for you to be who you want to be, accentuate T Y cause it's Houston week and he's on a roll, but get the running game going now. And again, they're not going to finish top five in rushing because they, they, they waited too long to get this thing going. But to run the ball well in December and to be going into the playoffs, if you make it, you're going to be going someplace where the weather is not going to be very good. So, it, it, again, the arrow's really up on the running game, and Jonathan Taylor should be fresh. So, uh, you just, again, don't overdo the running game, but make sure you, you, you maximize what's there against Houston. Yeah, that passing game's got to stay efficient. It would certainly be beneficial to get T.Y. involved early and often, as he has done so often against Houston in his career. Uh, Joe, you had a stat here that Phillip Rivers completed 73% of his passes over the last two games, and uh, one of those games obviously was the Texans. So uh, he, he has been efficient lately. I guess, Joe, the the, the thing is, hey, keep, keep that going, and that seems to be a, a good uh, companion of a solid running game, an efficient passing game. You can keep moving the ball down the field. And, heck, even if Rigoberto Sanchez is healthy this weekend, you keep him on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, maybe have him out there but not ask him to punt. I mean, Rivers is playing well. He, I think he had like 244 yards against the Raiders, and that's not all that impressive. But if the Colts wanted to, he probably could have had 400 uh, the way that Raiders defense was responding to the Colts offense. So uh, I think that'd be a great stat to get two touchdowns from Rivers, 240 yards, and the rest of it just run the ball down their throats. 
win the bonehead play battle. The Colts have 22 takeaways on the year. The Texans have just eight. And over the last two games, the Colts have no turnovers. So don't give Watson extra chances. Mike, Mike, we, we've said, like, I, I've said it too much already, but you know, Deshaun Watson does well enough with as many chances as, as he's given. You, you can't give him any more. Right, and that includes, like, uh, maybe third and four, you jump off sides. Yeah. A, a DPI or whatever. So, again, you always go into these games and you know he's going to get his because great players – get that done. He's going to make plays where you think, you know, we had to defend it perfectly and, and, and they're still going to beat you, but, but don't, don't give them the free yards. Don't give them, you know, a, a, a deep ball where there, where there's a pass interference and, and you give them the ball inside the 10. So make him earn it because he will earn it. Uh, and by and large, you take away, if, you know, Rocky scenes had some bad, bad stretches, but don't, don't help them. And that's kind of been the, the trend of this team lately is when they take care of their business and, and don't extend the helping hand, they're, they're pretty tough to beat. And touchdowns over field goals in the red zone would certainly be beneficial. Got to finish those drives and, and tighten the noose when, when it comes to that, uh, to that time of the game. Uh, when, when you score a field goal in, in, when you get to the red zone, defenses sometimes walk off the field feeling pretty good about themselves. I and mean, you, you don't want to do that. You want to put more points on the, on the board, uh, especially because uh, Watson can put points on the board in a hurry. So uh, those are our keys to the game as the Colts take on the Texans. We'll get to our game predictions now. FanDuel has the Colts as seven-and-a-half-point favorites. And wow. it's been a while since the Colts have been uh, more, than, more than three or four points uh, th- either way. Um, they've been in a lot of closely speculated games now – Vegas is all on the Colts to, to, be, uh, to be heavy winners in this one. The over-under is set at 50-and-a-half, so that would be a game of about 27-23. to 23. Uh, It would be, well, no, excuse me, a, uh, maybe 28-21 to 21 or 29-21, uh, to 21, right in that range. Uh, so anyway, that, that was my quick math of the day. Um, so I'll, I'll give my prediction. Uh, Joe, we'll go to you. Mike, you can finish it off. Um, I... I it's hard for me to pick against the Colts. I know I picked the Texans two weeks ago. I was the only one, and, and I picked that because Anthony Costanzo wasn't going to play. And, uh, boy, I was, I, I was a fumble in the, at the two-yard line away from being correct, and I, I've never been happier to be wrong. So, uh, so I'll, I'll take that L and hopefully uh, get back on the Colts for, for a W this week. I, I like the Colts over the Texans a lot right now. I think the Colts get a solid win. I think, I think about thirty to twenty. I would take the Colts, um, and uh, those points don't scare me too much. I think that you are in good shape right now. The offense is clicking. I think I love Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so that's my that's my pick for the Colts to have a, a solid win at home, get the tenth win of the year, and all but lock up that uh, playoff spot. Joe, you're next. I think the Colts are going to top 30 as well. I'm going to go 34 to 26 Colts. Uh, this offense is just looking so good right now. This is what we were, this is like almost best case scenario of what you wanted the Colts offense to look like several months back. Jonathan Taylor just trudging through defenses, T.Y. Hilton doing his thing, and Phillip Rivers playing good ball. And that's what's happening right now. So I got uh, 34 to 26 Indy. Chap, you're up. Yeah, I, I, I'm going like 31-23 Colts. 
and I'm thinking it's going to be, it won't be an eight-point game feel to it. Maybe Houston scores a late one to, to, to make it look closer. Uh, this team's in playoff mode. And I think you mentioned earlier, get out early, put your foot on their neck, and, and don't give them a reason to believe. Uh, and, boy, seven and a half points scares me. That, that, that's Vegas trying to get equal equal pay or equal action right, on each right. team. And I tell you, if, if anyone needed to be scared out of betting, if you watch the Cleveland-Baltimore game, Oh geez, <laughs> and, and you've got and you got three and a half, and they fiddle around and give up a safety at the end. If that if that's not intervention, I don't know what it is. <sighs> but uh, it's amazing how 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 close these guys are and how much they know their job. But I'll go thirty one twenty three, which means the Colts covered by half a point. Speaking of the Ravens game, do you guys think Lamar was pooping? Or what? Oh, 100% he was. <laughs> I, I've seen that jog to the bathroom, well, that jog that he had in the, like, the back hallways more than once. I've done it more than once in my life. And that, that was a I have to poop jog. 100%. Another rabbit hole we're going down. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that'll do it for this week's Colts Blue Zone podcast. Mike Chapel, you can follow him on Twitter at mchapel 51 the dean of Colts reporting. Mike, uh, Joe is at Roto Street Joe, Joe Hopkins, and I'm Dave Griffiths at at Dave G underscore sports. And check us, of course, out at at Colts Blue Zone. Uh, the Colts injury report for today will be out in just a little bit. You can find it online at one of our Twitter outlets for sure. And uh, please do subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week so you don't have to worry about going and manually doing about that. Nobody likes to do that. So. Uh, we do thank you for, uh, for your continued patronship of us, and we will see you next week on the Blue Zone podcast.